0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi, everybody. This is the Cricket Badger Podcast. Each badger marks the track with its own scent. His black legs are short but very powerful for digging. The name badger probably comes from the French word becher, meaning digger. Hi everybody, welcome along to the Cricket Badger podcast. When an American cop knelt on George Floyd's neck for nearly nine minutes until he died, the world changed, but has it? As a white middle-class bloke who loves cricket, fairly simple really, who am I to talk about racism? But i felt more than a little bit ashamed of my culture and heritage over the last few days. This is the year 2020, and yet more people are talking about racism now than probably ever before. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's what it needs to lead to some kind of change. I've seen so many people, in my humble opinion, who just don't get it. I'm not saying I 100% get it. It's a very complicated subject matter. But black lives matter doesn't mean that white lives matter less. That's not what people are saying. It's a reaction to hundreds of years where people who look different to me have been systematically held back in their respective fields, in their respective lives, and punished for their skin colour. Because to bring it back to cricket, and that's what we'll try and do through this podcast, just think about how your cricket lives would have been different if there hadn't been any black or brown players. I've seen people on social media this week spout some seriously uneducated nonsense. George Floyd was no saint. I don't think anybody's trying to make him into one. He'd been in trouble before, and that is not the point. Nobody deserves to die like he did. And we all know that he wouldn't have died if it looked like me. For me, this public uprising around the world is not about George Floyd, but what his death has come to symbolise. People have just had enough. And there are too many people with union flags on their profiles that call themselves patriots, but don't speak for the country I want to live in. Too many people drawing examples of white deaths, all tragic, but in their own way, they are different. Is it that hard to show everybody you meet respect and love. Surely it leads to a far less stressful life to have that mindset than be a complete bigot. And I'm very much showing my respect and love to former England, Hampshire and Leicestershire batsman Michael Carberry, previous guest on the Cricket Badger podcast. I think it's hugely important at this present time that we talk about race, we talk about racism, and we try and understand diversity, and we try and move on together without using any of those words. I feel... In a way, completely out of my depth doing this podcast. Usually I'm talking about cricket and I feel okay doing that. And that's why I needed a little bit of support on this one. So for this edition, it's the Badger, it's carbs, taking you through the Cricket Badger podcast.
1: It's that Badger style.
0: This is one of the very, very few um, occasions where I can actually see somebody that I'm talking to on the Cricket Badger podcast. I've got you on a little Zoom thing in the corner of my, uh, my kitchen. So it's good to see you.
1: Exactly. Nice to see your face, mate. hope you keep well, man.
0: Like all of us over the last week or so, I've been um, looking at social media, I've been watching the TV, I've been looking at the news and stuff. Ever since the George Floyd murder, it's been absolute... Uh, well, I, I, don't know, I don't even know how to begin to describe it. How's, how's it been for you? Uh,
1: I suppose another day in the life of a black man, really, is what our community now has been accustomed to for not just this last two weeks, but many, many years, um, centuries even. um, It's very distressing to see those images on TV and at the hands of people who are supposed to be keeping, keeping the peace, keeping justice, upholding justice, to perform an act like that and have no emotion towards it, I think gives you a very good indicator of where life is right now. You know, I've heard across my tender years on this planet that, you know, things are improving. You know, I've heard that that rhetoric a, long, a lot of the time, you know, things are improving, things are improving. Are they really? And then you see images like that. I've never been able to believe things are improving. It's just they've mutated and gone into different shapes and forms. But it's never gone. It's nothing. It's something that has never, ever gone away since the slavery trade era, as far as I see it.
0: You see, I, I couldn't watch, right. there's the, nearly nine minutes of that, that video. I, I watched about the first 30 seconds of it, and that was enough for me, because I, I don't want to actually watch somebody dying. As you say, the the face of the man that's actually kneeling on him shows no emotion whatsoever, and I I would find it hard. I, I actually find it hard to actually kind of like shuffle a fly out the window, do you know what I mean, and, and, and harm anything, let alone actually st- kneel on somebody and inflict what ultimately was death on them. I just can't. I can't understand what goes through somebody's hair.
1: Like I said, it's it something, I said, the black community, you know, look, we, we, at the moment we're poking, we're pointing the finger at America, but let me tell you, on first-hand experience, you know, I've been pulled over by police, I've had problems with police in my time, not because I've done anything wrong, just because I'm black, and that is a normal, what you see in Minnesota is a normal day for someone like me growing up in South London. You know, and that's that's why that's why I know I I'm sharing the sentiment of a lot of my black community brothers and sisters. We're not actually surprised by what we're seeing because this is stuff we learn as kids, right? This is this is stuff that our our parents can't try to guard us from all the time. This is this is why you see now the uptick in mental health problems amongst black people, black amongst black communities, because you're seeing images like that. What does that do for your mental state in terms of trying to live your own life, but maybe one day raise your family, you know, raise a young family and hope that, you know, one day their life will be better than yours. You're seeing images like that from people, as I say, upstanding people, the so-called upstanding people in the community. Same thing happens here. But remember one thing also, James, is that George Floyd's situation is a unique one because I'm telling you now there was probably... 50 to 100 cases of George Floyd that month in America. It happens on the daily. It's just so happened that a bystander managed to get their phone out for nine minutes and film what was going on. There's a lot more George Floyds that have happened this week, this month, last month, and are not talked about. Racism always wants to brush everything under the mat, right? They only want to deal with the glamorous stuff. You know, this slogan that Black Lives Matter, it has never mattered. This is why in the year 2020, we're still talking about races. We're still seeing images like this. For me, nothing has changed. It is another day in the life of a black man.
0: I mean, there's phrases, I mean, you mentioned the Black Lives Matter thing, but there's the all lives matter, which is basically people's kind of kickback against that to say, well, what about us as well? I've seen people say, you shouldn't see colour. And that's something I've, I've thought about that phrase a lot over the last few days. Surely you should see colour. Because you should be proud of who you are, not 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 see color, so that you just basically lump everybody in the same in, in the same bucket
1: that again, that sentence doesn't make sense to me what 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 is wrong with seeing color just, but what what is what is wrong with identifying that you're white I am black? There's a difference of seeing color and then being disparaging towards that color. And I think people are mixing the two up, yeah. right you know we were talking before we went on it, and I said most of my life has been, has been spent. Even now, I still live, I live in a predominantly white area in Hampshire, right? So most of my life is spent in and around white people, white company. Some of my best friends are white. And I've never, ever felt the need to say something disparaging, even meeting strangers, to break any ice, to make the person feel welcomed, unwelcomed, any of that. I will talk to them how I talk to anybody. I walk in a room, good evening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, extend my hand conversation yeah i don't understand flip the situation around firstly why people feel uncomfortable talking to people like me not knowing what to say and i put it down to a level of ignorance or everything around this topic is based around an ignorance and an ignorance to the education so that's another phrase that gets you oh well it's you know educate it's the educate we need more education listen let me tell you something Education is at the touch of a button. You want education? If I wanted to learn laminate, how to put down laminate glory I can learn ten within ten minutes on YouTube. How how are we still saying now it's education? If, if it's about education, okay, cool, no problem. Why is it not taught in schools? So what I'm saying is, I went to school, you went to school in the system, right? But don't but don't teach us the gl- the glorious side of the British Empire. Yeah, yeah. So talking about the monarchy and. You know, all the great things that they do for this country, supposedly. I'm, as you can tell, I'm not really a, a royalist, right? But how about you go to the real crux of how this empire was formed? In but they'll never do that.
0: Cricket's founded on colonial England. Ruling much of the world, isn't it? And having its say in India and having its say in the Caribbean, having its say all over the place. And it's only fairly recently in in many places, not at all, that they've actually gained independence and they they celebrate that. But, you know, the the relationship with, you go to the Caribbean and most of the Caribbean folk seem to like English people. You go to India and that's the same thing. But that doesn't get past the point that this culture... I you, I you, You talk about being proud to be black. I've actually not been that proud to be white over the last week because you actually read up on this subject and you go back in time and you look at all the things that have happened. It's not a great heritage to actually be proud of. There are some fantastic things about being white in English, but there are also some things to be ashamed of.
1: This is why this is the point I was making. Why do you think this stuff is never taught to our younger generation? This stuff has been buried for so many years because, in my opinion, you need to know where you've been to know where you're going. Like that comes back to the Bristol
0: statue, doesn't it? they take him down the, um, and I can't remember his name. Colston, is it the, the guy that used to be the slave owner who I think he had something like um, a quarter of his slaves actually died in transit, and he claimed insurance on them to get the money back for the ones he lost. Basically, they were just commodities in his in his boats, and they pulled the statue down. They chucked him in the river in Bristol. Now people are saying that that you know you need to, you shouldn't take the statues down because that actually. And um, stops you actually remembering who this guy is. Now, there's a difference in there between having a statue and celebrating that bloke and actually remembering him for all the things that he the bad things he did.
1: Yeah, but again, look, I suppose right now emotions are raw, and I'm not for vandalism of anything um, because, I, again, I don't believe it solves the actual problem. And this is, I think, what the violent protesters, there, there's two types of protesters at the moment, you know, which media, funny enough, are only focusing on the violent ones. So what I'm saying is, emotion at this moment in time is very raw. But the question I would pose to the people who are committing the violence and vandalism, do you actually know the history behind what you're doing? The thing goes to it, right? Do you actually know the history behind what you're doing? Because anyone could go out and pull that, like, spray Winston Churchill and, as you say, destroy the statue, black out their screens on social media. But again, why are you doing it? You know what's the what's your what's your what's the point behind doing it? How does
0: that provoke change? Yeah, I mean, go, going back to the statue thing, the the guy in Bristol, I, I can't find too many redeeming features. He's a product of his age, I know, and you can you can argue that, but you can't find too many redeeming features. He made money by buying and selling slaves, and that's that's uh, um, not not the best. Yeah, but he, was, he you know,
1: was one
0: of many slave traders that did that. Oh yeah, but um, was, but, the, man, but then over the last man, few days, you've seen um, people defacing Abraham Lincoln's statue. Now Abraham Lincoln. I'm sure he had his faults, but he ended up, he ended slavery. A lot of that was because of military necessity, because of the Civil War, but he ended slavery. So you can't necessarily hold him to account, can you? And you need to pick your enemies, don't you, really, in this?
1: Well, I'll put it this way, yes, he ended slavery, but he was, also, he was also gaining from slavery. You know, it's apparent, you know, one of the things that I, I find quite interesting on things like Remembrance Day, V, Day, is that it's always the white guy, the old white guy, who's picking up the medals for bravery, his services to the army. And I've always asked the question, what about the black man who fought alongside? Well, we are... I, in my 39 and a half years on this planet, I've never once seen a black man picking up a medal for his bravery or services to this country.
0: Well, what, one thing that illustrates that, Carbs, is the um, the amount of effort that Joanna Lumley had to go to try and get something for the Gurkhas. You, you're right. <laughs> Cricket Badger Podcast is brought to you in association with tvsportsblog.com. Give them a follow on Twitter at TVSportsBlog. Excellent sporting content; it's well worth a look. And give them a follow on Twitter at TVSportsBlog. Kind of get this back towards cricket or to cricket because we haven't really got to cricket yet, have we? And <laughs> the if we look at cricket and you you mentioned that you know it's it's very naive if not ignorant to say that the problems in America aren't the problems of England. Now I, I can imagine a lot of people have being quite complacent when it comes to cricket and say, well, racism isn't an issue in cricket. How, what would be your response to that?
1: To be honest, I think cricket is right with racism. And the, the issue you have in cricket is that the people running the game don't care about the black people in it. Simple as that, right? Black people are not important to the structure of English cricket. If you look around English cricket at the moment, in the important areas of the game, so what I'm saying is where the important decisions are made. Name one black man that is in that point position. So we're talking now in, in the Andrew Strauss role, or so to say Ashley Giles role. Yeah. Which black man has ever had the opportunity to make the big decisions on English cricket? Not one. You scale down the touch. So you're now looking at England head coaches. When has there ever been a black England head coach? Never. What about the different coach? Never. You scale down the touch again. Any black captains? Oh, yeah. Oh, funny enough, yours truly for about six games. And the yeah. guy that preceded me got the captain the rest of the season and lost every game. Look at him amount of players left in the game since I retired. If you look around county cricket, how many black county coaches are there in county cricket? Not one. And I know guys that have gone and done their level three and level four. So they are more than equipped to do the job and have played a long time. But you know what? The system will never give them the job.
0: Mark Elaine was uh, the, the head coach of the MCC, wasn't he? And I, I anticipated that Mark would go on and do something in county cricket, but he's actually ended up working at a school, hasn't he?
1: Mark, listen, Boo Boo is never going to get a county job. It's highly unlikely he will get a county job. He should, but it's highly unlikely. Historical data tells you there are no black people within the game in pointed positions that are able to not only make decisions but also inspire the next generation. If I was a young black boy now looking to get into cricket, who, who am I looking at? Who am I looking at that can inspire
0: me? If you go down that route, ECB and the ICC, I saw the ICC today saying that without diversity, we don't have a game kind of thing. ECB have done a nice little video um, where they've shown Adil Rashid, Moen Ali, Jofra Archer and Josh Butler I think, uh, closeted together as being the example of diversity in the England side.
1: This is what gets me with cricket, right? They love their slogans, they love their little posts. Is that dealing with the real problem? Has anyone stripped the layers back and asked the question, first of all, where does racism start? Because, as I say, you've got to know where you've been yep. to know where you're going, right? So, racism just doesn't appear, it's come from an origin. And as I said, and you've rightly said, cricket was based on colonial leadership, right? And that colonial way of thinking has never ever change. Do you know why? Because the people running it are descendants of who? Colonial leadership. As I've always maintained, even when I was still playing, the only way change is going to happen is at the top. You have to change and weed out the current lot at the top. All this has happened under their watch. All the racism generally across the board in the game has happened under their watch. So why are the ECB, rather than making a nice poster and campaign and i'm telling you now if you ask mowing and rash about their issues in the game okay understandably they're not going to come out and say because they're in the setup and this is the thing this, this is a decision most black people and people of color have to make all the time is that this thing is eating you inside every single day with what you hear in dressing rooms what you see the, the stuff people get away with and say to you
0: such as what, comes what, what, what was your experience of, and, and what kind of thing did you have to deal with when you were playing?
1: I've, had to, I've, I've literally almost come close to making a coach spit 32 out on the ground for stuff that he said to me. Oh, oh I couldn't see you in the dark. And, you know, oh, what, what the brother's having tonight, a bit of fried chicken and rice and peas tonight. I had to drag him out of the balcony and say, listen, let me ask you something, mate. How much, how much time have you spent in black country? And he, and he literally wet his pants. And I said to him, let me tell you something, and I've always lauded my mum for how she raised me, was to become worldly. You want to be successful as a black man in this world, you've got to be worldly. So therefore, I've got to be able to mix in a room full of bankers, lawyers, doctors, surgeons, as well as my own community, go across the subcontinent and be able to mix in their background, the community, that's how people become successful. And I said to this guy, let me tell you something, I wouldn't be where I am just mixing in my own community, I eat everything you do. I've probably experienced more things than you have. In fact, I know I have, right? Just simply from where I'm born to where I live now, I know I have experienced more things than you, and therefore I don't feel the need to say something as ignorant as that to make myself sound funny. And he literally hung his head like a little child. So this is the thing most black guys... Now, bear in mind, I'm putting my career and it probably ended up being the final nail in my coffin at that club. I won't name the club. But these are the things now you have to weigh up when you hear things like this in your in your company. Is that right, how does this now affect me out there? That how does it affect my job? And not everybody I, I accept is as outspoken as I am about this because rightly so, we all got we all have families to support and we have got bills to pay. But can you see how unfair it is? that someone on the daily has to keep accepting this stuff. And I've seen other players who laugh it off because they want not accept him. They don't want to get dropped. They don't want to put a left hook on that guy. I understand that. Or even, not even say hit him, but actually have a harsh word with him and say, listen, mate, don't ever say that to me again. Because that guy may have a, a massive powerful influence in the team. And if you rub the wrong people up the wrong way, as you know, that's you done. That's, you, that's your career done. Everything you've worked towards, you're done. And and things circulate. You know, oh can't read a bit of a bit bit fiery or the or the temperamental black man or the angry black man. No? Nah, just treat me with the same respect I treat you with. That's all. There's no special language for speaking to me. But I get that a lot. People come to me, yeah, Carpenter, yeah, man, what do you say? Yeah, yeah. Like I don't understand proper English. I'm like, why are you talking to me like that? Because if I'm talking to you, James, I'm not talking to you like I have a plum in my mouth. Hello, James, how are you? That was insulting to white people because it's insulting. So why do it? Is what I'm saying. Show, if I start to do that, it shows a lack of ignorance on my side.
0: I find it really interesting what you said, actually, because the, the examples I've got on the pad in front of me, because I made a few notes here, and all of the examples I've got are of individual um, players, it's a bit of sledging, um, the racial um, connotations of something they've said. Yeah, Monkeygate with Andrew Simons, Darren Lehman's comments in Sri Lanka. You've got um Moen Ali being called a Sama by the, by the Australians. Um, the Australian under-19s under, under 19s and kind of ridiculing on their text message the Indian culture and, and how they, they go about stuff. But none of what I've got on my pad here is um, what I guess you would call institutional racism, which is exactly what you're saying. It's, you're saying that actually the kind of the bones of cricket are actually racist, aren't you? It's both,
1: mate. It's both. I mean... You know, you know things I said on the field, and things I've got personal on the field as well. Equally, like I say, you know, we were talking off air. I said, "This is the problem cricket has is that they think they feel that racism is only skin deep," and I'm like, "No, no, no! You've got to peel back the layers to get to the real crux of the problem." And this thing now has mutated. And remember something: social media platforms have given people a lot more confidence and freedom to say. The stuff that's in here that I
0: don't have the balls to say to my face. I was going to say, talk about that because the ICC have got anti-racism, anti-discrimination legislation, policies, whatever you whatever you'd call it, and it refers to player on player. It refers to players to fans, etc. Joffrey Archer obviously got racially abused in um, New Zealand, didn't he? And um, and complained yeah. about that. Um, but one of the things I don't think it covers is social media. And Ian Wright, Arsenal, he got, a, I mean, he came public the other day, but he basically said, this is, this is every day. Every time I say anything, I get this kind of stuff. And he got the absolute abuse on there by people that obviously haven't got half a brain cell. But it's, I mean, that, that must hurt if you get that. Or do you become impervious to it? I mean, it must hurt every day, mustn't it?
1: Well, listen, Jane, you, you have two, I believe, to be successful in playing sport, because that's what we're talking about here. To be successful, you have two fights. Okay? And this is something white guys don't have to deal with, right? So i walk in a dressing room for the first time. I've got to go way and above to firstly get acceptance and get respect from my fellow peers, right? So I've got to work out now how I'm going to go about this when the abuse starts or the little snide remarks start or things are done in order to keep me back, you know, because that's been done as well, right? How do I handle it? So that's one fight. And you've got to remember, all this stuff takes a lot of mental energy from you. And then there's a small matter of, and this is the fight everybody has, whether you're white, you're black, you're blue, you're pink, you're Asian, you're Chinese, whatever, is am I good enough to go out there and perform and be very good at what I do?
0: Which well, should be the only question you in your head, isn't it?
1: Exactly. I'll tell you now, from the tender age of nine, my parents were, had already noticed that they needed to educate me on things let's say the peripherals, look, you have to be strong in this game if you want to make it. Now, at nine years old, some would say, you know, at nine, all you should be worrying about, well, you shouldn't be worrying about anything, you should just be making friends, making networks, and enjoying the sport, if it's cricket, for what the game is, and learning the skills of the game. You shouldn't have to be already thinking about how to reply to certain people, like I remember coaches used to ask me even at night. Well, if England or West Indies are playing, who are you supporting What does that matter? I'm nine years old. I I I support the people who inspire me. And there were English guys who inspired me. I love to watch David Gower. I used to like watching Graham Thorpe as a boy. I end up playing with Graham Thorpe. That was that was my boyhood hero. Ricky Ponting was another boyhood hero of mine, as was Brian Lara and Viv Richards. Right. So. But these are the things that you're constantly being tested. You know, who, who would your parents support if you were playing against the West Indies? I, a, is that even a question? My, my parents are going to support me. You know, I got asked when I was playing for England why I wear a Barbados wristband. I said, because it's part of my heritage and I'm proud of it. But does it make me any less English? Check my passport. I'm more English than half the guys I went on tour with.
0: Yeah.
1: At least I was born here. I was born here. Born South London. Check my passport. So these are the things as a pro, well, as a young kid, as a pro, I had to do. I also have to deal with being ignored in teams. You know, I remember being picked for the under-15 World Cup and just being totally ignored. And I was, I think one of the top, I think I was the second in the national averages and then, I played one game in the tournament. I was ignored. You know why? Because you talk to the West Indies guys too many times. You talk to the Australians too much. Yeah. And guess what? 11 years on, that coach's conscience obviously pricked him enough. I'm just about to board the plane for the A-Tour, my first A-Tour, and that's where he's come and apologise. But I told him, you know what? All right, cool, man. I'm a man's man. It takes, it takes a real man to come and say I'm sorry. But
0: it took him 11 years. I also years.
1: thanked him. Well, listen, better late than never, right? And I said, you know what? I'll tell you one thing, though. What I will say to you is thank you. And he was a bit confused. Why are you thanking me? Because if it wasn't people like you, I wouldn't be here today achieving what I have going through what I've gone through to get where I've got to and achieve what I've achieved. So it gave me that that mental note. Yeah? That's yeah. another barrier you have to learn to kick down. And it, and it's this sad stuff that a parent has to sit down with a nine year old. As young as nine, my mum used to sit me down and say to me stuff like this, right? You've got to be three times as good just to get the same opportunity. There was a... And my career was synonymous with that. Yeah. 34 years old before I got my real chance and I was knocking out runs for fun.
0: There was a little video on the um, on YouTube, I think it was the other day, where there was a little black kid and a little white kid and they must have been only about, I don't know, 12 inches high. And they were running to each other going, my friend, my friend, and hugged each other. And that, it was really cute. But that, it just shows you, doesn't it? You're not born a racist. It's basically, you know, you're a product of your environment. You're a product of what people tell you. And that, all that soaks in and frames who you become, doesn't it? And I I also saw a a video of a woman who was much, much older. And she was in the supermarket. And she was basically blocking um, a young black girl from trying to get her medicine off the shelf and basically called her the N-word and basically said, go, why don't you go home to where you belong? The girl said, well, I was born in America, and she said, well, that doesn't matter. You should go anyway, or something like that. And I'm thinking, when you get people that are that ignorant, you can't surely, you, you, how do we change somebody like that? You can't, can you? Because that, that is what they 100% believe.
1: The only way it's going to change, the only way racism will change, and I had to think about this, you know, the, people who can ch- the only people who can change racism, white people it's not black people white people have to change racism right white people have to want to change racism So at this moment in time racism pays where things stand as they are at the moment white privilege is generally your ceos your directors of companies, your chairmen your presidents your prime ministers it pays racism pays so if people are standing by what they're saying at the moment we're going to you know show solidarity we're going to black out our screens we're going to march with you we're going to let your voices be heard all this stuff I'm like you I'm reading on social media I haven't engaged in it because for me I've seen it all before We'll have to be the one to change it
0: and equally carbs it's, actually, all, it's dismayed me on, on my my social media that yeah there's a lot of people that are saying the right stuff and it is only words, but they're saying the right things. But there's also a hell of a lot of kickback, mostly with people with union flags in their um, tagline, effectively saying, well, white people get killed too, blah, 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 blah. It, it's not, they're not being overtly racist, except they are, because they, they can't quite see it and they, they're kind of kicking back against the Black Lives Matter thing because they've got that ingrained thing inside them.
1: Because they've never had to, they've never They've never had to see it. And like I said, what they don't want people to know, it gets buried. It's always been the way. Like I said, me and you went to school in the same the same English system. When were we ever taught about this stuff? Never. Never, I... never, right? Because, as I say, you've got to know where you've been to know where you're going. So I don't think it does any... Personally, I think it does more good than harm that both me and you understand each other's culture. But we need to know what happened back then, all of it, right? Not just the glamorous stuff, right? Not just about the British Empire. yeah. How was that British Empire formed? My ancestors were taken, tortured, beaten. Women were raped. Children went missing, right? Mixed-race kids went missing, funny enough, because they were dabbling with our women. The ones who could read and write were tossed over the side to the sharks. This is powerful stuff that people need to know. White and black need to know. Reason being, and I, I know, listen, I appreciate that for the average white person sitting there, it will feel a little bit uncomfortable because you're thinking, crisis, you know, that could have been my great-great-great-grandfather, grandmother that's done some of this. Yeah, but it's building an understanding of why the reaction you're seeing now on the TV. Yeah, So so before you press click and black out your screen, you realise that that's not necessary. Change is necessary. We've, we've done all these campaigns before. Kick racism out, kick racism into touch. Racism has no place. I've heard them all. They're just, they're
0: just t-shirts for people to wear before kickoff, aren't they? And then they take them off, toss them to one side.
1: Mate, there's one person that's benefiting from this. As we were talking off it, Mark Zuckerberg. He's just doing that at the moment. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, keep your black screens coming, right? And I, don't, I don't mean to make a joke of this because it's serious, but it's not provoking change. Change needs to be at the top, right? A black man and a white man need to be on equal standing.
0: One of the things that worries me at the moment, because we've basically been locked down for however long and COVID hasn't gone away yet. And the black lives matters marches that are going through London and other major cities and in America and elsewhere have people shoulder to shoulder walking through cities. I, I know that people are angry and I know that people want to do something. Is now the right time or is there never a right time? You just have to basically grasp the and do it. Or, or, or what are they actually marching for? Because you're saying it has to come from the top. Well, if you march every day for the next three months, that doesn't necessarily mean the top are going to listen, does it?
1: Well, that's what I'm saying. Uh, yeah. Look, I I am as a, as a black man, I'm very proud of who I am, my heritage, my people, I love my people, and I'm, like them, I'm very hurt by the images we're seeing on the TV, right? I mean, you, you cannot, I mean, even if I wasn't black, I mean, I'm a human, yeah. you
0: know,
1: and someone has died under a police knee,
0: yeah.
1: right? So, But what I'm saying is, this is where logic has to kick in. Logic has to kick in. And do people really understand? This is what I'm saying. People jump on a lot of media BS, as far as I'm concerned. And it's all gimmicky. But gimmicks is not going to change. Like I said, Black Lives Matter, hashtag, is not bringing back my brother George Floyd. It's not bringing back Tamar Rice. It's not bringing back Michael Brown. All these people were killed under police watch. recently. It's not bringing them back. What we should be thinking about as a community is how are we going to provoke change.
0: Yeah.
1: It's also a time for black community to unite. We've not been the best community in uniting with one another. So it's a good time for that to happen. But also, it's got to be done in the right way. And like I said, the only way racism can change, in my opinion, my humble opinion, I'm happy to be wrong about this, the only way I can see major change happening, it has to come from white privilege. They have to be the ones open enough to say, listen, enough's enough and I'm going to willingly go and get the proper education I need to understand the black community, understand the Asian community as the two as the three main groups in this country. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna to I'm going to do that. We've had ten weeks of lockdown, right? Ten weeks of lockdown, we we're all sitting on our asses doing that. Perfect time. Go and learn something that you didn't know. And if you don't know, ask somebody don't go on media propaganda I'll, I'll tell you now if i go out for a box of fags now late at night you start to see people clutching their handbags. So, i'm not going to rob you trust me i've got my no one but this is what they see on tv yeah. right so you know, i put my hood up they think oh and this is what we, this is our everyday reality if i if, if the feds even when i'm parked outside the shop i can feel them their eyes boring out the back of my head this is what we go through every day
0: I saw a, a former policeman, I think he's now a reverend or something in America, and he was giving it the, the big thing to the camera today. And a lot of what he said made sense, to be honest, but he, he was basically almost denying that racism exists. He said, you know, Look, this is your problem, meaning the kind of the bane community, for one of a better phrase. I don't like that phrase. It lumps everybody in together, doesn't it? But the, he was basically saying, effectively, get off your arses, um, you've got a chip on your shoulder... You need to get on with life look at LeBron James look at Michael Jordan look at Tiger Woods etc 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 you can achieve if you want to achieve you'd probably cite you as well you've played for England etc look at Michael Carberry. he's gone on and he's achieved and what have you I felt that he'd missed the point because he was directing that at the very top end of black society the people that had actually achieved but there's plenty of other people aren't there you know I, I, I was looking at this and then a couple of my fr- a couple of my friends on Facebook reposted that and said, look at this great words and I thought no, it's not really.
1: And, and I would put it back to that pastor and say, you don't think Michael, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Tiger Woods have gone through racism to get to the top? Are you crazy? If you know anything about those men, really, not, as I say, peel back the layers. Peel back the layers. What he's looking at is what they are now. Yes, yeah, they're the very best of their field. But let me tell you something. I know for a fact, I've, read the, I've seen the Tiger Woods story. When he first walked on a golf course with his father, it was not accepted. In the same way, Arthur Ashe, when he first walked on a tennis court, it was not accepted. These people, yeah, okay, in their own way, are hopefully trying to break down barriers, as I am, in my own small way, by inspiring the next generation. But as I say, the real change, unfortunately, has to come at the top before any of that can be implemented. Because all you're going to do is replace the current racist setup. With the disciples of a new racist setup, so nothing's going to change, and that goes across all sports, all walks of life, government, business, politics, sport, whatever. It needs change at the top. That's where you're going to provoke biggest change. But like I said, that has to come from white privilege. You, we've never, as the black community, we've never had the construct to change the course of the ship. What, 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 we've always had to accept.
0: Two questions before we finish, Michael, and thank you very much for coming on today. The first one is that phrase "white privilege," and I've seen so many people said who are white who have said, yeah. "I'm not privileged. I'm on state benefits. Blah 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 blah. I've had nothing given to me as I've come in, and I'm I'm white." But that again misses the point, doesn't it? Because the privilege bit doesn't mean you're rich. The privilege bit means you avoid all the. I'm not, I'm all not the,
1: talking about money.
0: Yeah, all, it means you avoid all of the crap and all of the kind of the, the baggage Correct. around the racism side of stuff. Yeah,
1: fine. You might be on benefits, sure. But I'm telling you now, you don't have the fight buyers. You can walk the street, wear a hoodie. No one's going to think you're going to mug them. Again, as I said, it's people understanding what's going on. Deeper. Kill back the layers, as I said. You've got to understand the deeper narrative here. Right? I'm not talking about monetary. When I say white privilege, generally across the board, if you weigh up the two, black and white, as I said, Give me an example where the black man in the, in the world we live in today. Name one black man that makes an important decision that affects our whole life. Give me one. Exactly. I'm
0: trying to think. <laughs> uh, yeah, I am trying to think. You can see you, you can see my face, and that's my thinking face, Michael. And I can't think of one.
1: Right. So that's why you 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 have to refer it as white privilege. You are generally the presidents, the directors of the company, the CEOs, the chairman, the chairwoman, the chairlady, the vice president assistant manager, the head coach, the captain, is, ne- is never the black man. Is never the black man. So that's why I say we we'll refer to as white privilege. So the only way it's going to change is it firstly it starts with white privilege. What stop burying or turning a blind eye to what's going on because that doesn't help anything. Going around with them being fantasists and saying oh you know sure it doesn't happen you know in this and that no 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 it does. This stuff always has an origin. You've got, But you've got to go deeper than just last week, what happened last week, right? There's been many cases of that, many, thousands per year. It's just that don't think that what doesn't make Facebook doesn't happen. There's a life outside, there's real life outside of Facebook, okay? Know your deeper history, the real history. And look, as I said before, I appreciate for some people, it will be a very, very uncomfortable time to sit there knowing that someone in your family once upon a time, was a slave trader who used to beat, rape, torture my people, my ancestors, potentially. I can imagine that's not a comfortable thing to hear or learn about, but it's very powerful because then you have a deeper understanding that when racist things like this happen, why I, well, say I, but people like me react in the way that we do because we're angry. Because just as we feel right, we're trying to live and go about our daily lives We keep getting knocked down again, and no one's listening. No one is listening. And this is why I say, I hope, yeah, I hope, I'm the eternal optimist, but I hope, yeah, that at some point before I leave this planet, yeah, we will be, there will be equality. I will see a black prime minister. I will see black people in the cabinet, you know? I will see a a, a black man, British-born, hopefully, start up a a company on, on the same level as the bank that is making a real difference, making a big decision that affects our daily lives. I would love to see that. You know, see a black cricket captain, test cricket captain. You know, that's a massive honour, to captain your country at test level. is the highest honour you could, anyone can ever have. And I would love that one day to be a man of colour, because it's never been that way. Do I think it will happen? Not so sure.
0: We could have been having this same debate back in the 60s, back in the 40s, back in the 20s, back in whenever, couldn't we? Because, yeah, although things have changed, I mean, I was going to ask you, actually, and this is another question. I, I've heard people say that it's got better. You know, things aren't quite as obvious. You know, we, you, you, when people came oh, over... When people came over from the when people came over from the Windrush thing and, and, and what have you, there was the no blacks, no Irish, no dogs, and all that kind of things in the window. So things were yeah, really know, ob- really obvious yeah. then, weren't they? It's not obvious yeah, yeah. now because there aren't the signs in the windows? But is it still as prevalent, or is it has it has it watered down? Are we making any progress whatsoever? I guess is what I'm trying to ask you. Right, Dane
1: Butler, I'll fill you in. Right, <laughs> right. Interesting, you brought up the Windrush era. Because right, how was the Windrush era formed? It was right. We had the Second World War. This country was war-torn, right? And the government reached out to people in the Caribbean, Africa, so and so forth. I said, "Come over here for a better life. Help us rebuild our country. But in turn, you get a better life. You can earn more money. Have a you know whatever, whatever." That would have been that would have been people like my grandparents, my parents who came over here from the, from the Caribbean to build this country. My mum worked 44 years in the NHS service, bringing life in this world as a midwife. Now, recently, our, our last Prime Minister, funny enough, and her Home Secretary, decided that after all these years, nearly 70, 80 years of people building this country to what we know now, building the economy, right? Raising their children here. I'm second generation. And suddenly now, they're being deported back to the Caribbean because their paperwork wasn't right. So again, it's the same thing over again. The people making the big decisions are showing their racist colours. If if my mom, if my grandparents and my parents left what they know, they knew in the Caribbean to come to this country to get, yeah, I suppose, give their children me, a better life and more opportunity. But all of a sudden now, since that's been done and achieved, and we we all sitting there thinking, yeah, life's good. They're suddenly not good enough now to be here. And that, for me, was quite telling. So that's why I asked you, jokingly, you know, it's nice that we can still find some humour. That's why I asked him, were well, these white guys that were saying that things have changed? Because from my side of the fence, nothing's changed. And that was only last year, remember. So it just shows you, even the people running our very country are racist. In with There is racist people within this government who make the big decisions. Donald Trump, need say any more. Need us anymore.
0: No, you don't. That
1: epitomizes it epitomically. Yeah, listen, Donald Trump, remember something. And I, and I say to people who complain about Donald Trump, I said, listen, Donald Trump hasn't just become racist. Donald Trump was always racist. I remember something. Donald Trump didn't elect himself, he didn't vote for himself. He probably did, <laughs> a couple of times, right? To sway it, right? Along with some Ukrainian help. But most of the people who voted Donald Trump in, are people who agree with Donald Trump's ideology?
0: I've, the- I've read about Trump this this week, and I mean, I was, there's obviously the Boris stuff about the um, letter boxes and the picking in his smiles or whatever, and there's the Donald Trump stuff where when he um, he had property, he refused to let it to black people.
1: Right, it, listen, all these things to me are quite apparent that you know I'm certainly not sitting here saying that things have got better, things have changed because I know quite frankly, and I only have to look at what transpired last week that. All we've done for the last 300 years is just jump on the spot. We have not moved forward or back. We're just jumping on the spot. We put a plaster over a wall crack. That's all we do. The fancy campaign slogans, posters, you know, video loops with Moe and Joffra and all these guys. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, it looks It looks nice on the surface of it, but no one's dealing or wants to deal with the real issue which is beneath
0: it all. It's, it's almost like, isn't it, that you've got, you, you get that little viral video coming from the ECB, you click share and you click retweet and you, you click like and you think you've done your job. That's almost like the world is these days. Social media kind of almost sets you, sets you up to be that, whereas it's far deeper than that and there's far more to it, isn't there? And so, exactly.
1: People have people, people said that, oh, yeah, you know, I'm trying to do my bit. Well, look, you can do your bit. Unfortunately, unless you're in a position of power, you can't really do anything. It's it's people who can make the big decisions. As I say, they have to want firstly for things to change. They have to want a black man and an Asian man to sit at the same table. If that mentality isn't there, I'm telling you now, everything we're talking about this evening is never going to happen. Sadly, sad to say, it's not. It's because as I say, when that wave of people or that generation of people move on, the next wave or the disciples of that replace them with the same ideology. And nothing's changing.
0: I look at America now and I, it astounds me that Barack Obama got anywhere near the White House because it, it's just, it, I just can't understand how some people think at times and it's quite saddening. And as I say, this last week I've been uh, looking across social media and um, and deeper and reading articles and what have you and it's made me a little bit ashamed of, of being a white guy in, in this country. And I, I, I shouldn't feel like that and you shouldn't feel like you feel. Well,
1: look, James, look, at the end of the day, it, it's no there's no sense to you feeling ashamed of who you are because you you had no choice in no the matter. Right? I mean, you haven't gone out and got slaves at your house and beaten or tortured anybody or murdered anybody. you know what I mean? That that unfortunately is just part of my ancestry, your ancestral history. As it as it's painful for me for me to say that yeah, I'm the descent of a slave. It, it's not a nice thing to to admit or say, but it's the truth. But as I say, you're, so you're a bit of an enigma, the fact that you've gone out on your own to find out more about this, to, to as I say peel about the layers and find out where the origin of this began how many other white people do you think are doing
0: that? Not very many um, I mean I, I've i looked even Winston Churchill who everybody kind of extols as one of the greatest Britons of all time, the statues of him being defaced and people are, are crying out on social media saying these shouldn't be they shouldn't be touched, He's he's but some of his activities in India, you know, colonial times again, but some of his activities overseas were quite frankly racist. And again, he could, be, he could argue in his, in his favourite product of his times, he, he did what was in front of him. But, you know, there are excuses for some of the things he did. And not everybody's perfect. And there are a lot of people, n- none of us are perfect either. And we all do things that we yeah, regret I mean- at times. But that, you know, there's certain things that you just can't ignore.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I, you know, they, I always believe. Look, there's good and bad in, in in every race of life, right? Look, there have been white people I know, through, and we know historically who've been trying to fight that eternal fight for peace and equality. You know, even going back to the 60s, John Lennon, JFK, and what happened to those guys? Bullet in the head. It pays to be racist. Unfortunately, there's not enough of those people to make a difference. There's enough of racist people to be able to make the big course, to make the big decision and effectively snuff out the people who are trying to do it peacefully. John Lennon didn't go and protest and throw rocks at anybody. He did it through his music, peacefully. JFK, as a president, US, US president, one of the most powerful positions in the world, tried to do it through, through his presidency. And these people are snuffed out because it pays. The system doesn't want that. They don't want equality. So that's why I say what I say. Equality begins at the origin. It has to be changed
0: at the top. One last question, and this is the last question, I promise mm-hmm. you. If you were in the um, in a cricket team now, um, I, I imagine, uh, and I'm putting myself in your shoes and I shouldn't do that, but I imagine that if you were feeling that you'd been racially victimised by a teammate or a coach or whatever, the temptation is to think it's actually easier just not to say anything and just to sit in the corner kind of continue to open the batting and to do whatever I do in, in the cricket team. But it takes some guts, doesn't it, to put yourself out there. But you put yourself out there to be shot at, don't you?
1: Wait, why do you think I lost my career? I, I could have played on. Everything about this system, cricket I'm talking about, it doesn't protect guys like me. Because one, I'm black. Two, I'm outspoken. I don't mind saying what's uncomfortable. Unfortunately, I know black, plenty of black guys, some i played with, who go the opposite, decide to, to handle it the opposite way. Like you say, sit there, take it, look look at the bigger picture and think, well, you know, at least I've got my foot in the door in this system or that system. But let me say about something about Michael Carby. I have to be, listen, cricket has never defined me as a person. I always maintain that. Right? never defined me as a person. It's just a game. And at the end of it, we all leave it. And when we leave it, it's important that for the next 30, 40, 50 years, however long I live, that I'm very happy when I brush my teeth in the morning, who looks back at me. And I've always maintained that. Okay, fine, I didn't make, you know, the 50 tests, the 100 tests that people thought I should have, but it's not the video on end all. At the end of the day, it was more important for me to be proud of and respect the man that looks back at me in the mirror every time I shave or brush my teeth in the morning. right, so everybody handles it in their own way, but as I said before, this is, again, the fight. This is one of the two fights that black people have have to fight to just get the same success as everybody else. It's the, it's the fight of how do I handle this, right? So when I'm being victimised, when I'm hearing the, you know, the racial mickey-taking, sometimes from your own employees, as I showed you, you know I, I had to drag up my own coach. And these people are very much embedded in the infrastructure of our game. He's one of many, as I said. And when he leaves, another one will replace him. This is what I'm talking about. So you have that fight. Then it's, am I good enough to go out there and be the best batsman bowler I can. So you can see already, before you hit a ball, you're already mentally drained because you're worrying about stuff without watching the ball. Right? And this is this is the everyday fight for most black athletes, whether it's cricket, football, golf, whatever, athletics. It's all the same. You can speak to any one of us. And somewhere along the line, someone will have the same story I'm telling you. That the moment from the moment we walked in as kids. You could just feel it. The atmosphere suddenly changed. You see people nudging each other. And that's how it is. And it's something that, yeah, as I said, I I learned to deal in my own way with. I mean, when I was young, I was very fiery and probably got myself in some hot water with senior players. But then with age and, I suppose, experience, you learn, you know, what? actually, rather than using this, use knowledge. And you can make these people look the clowns they are by just re-educating them and making them feel this big. Not, not by even being disparaging to them. As I said to the coach, how much time have you actually spent in black people's company? And I'm telling you now, mate, he, after that, he could not, for about another two weeks, it took him to really speak to me because he was that ashamed of his behaviour. And so he should be. Because I said, I never feel the need, as I say, to walk in a room full of white people and start talking like I have a plum in my mouth because it would be very insulting to those people, particularly if they're showing me respect then I don't. I've never felt the need to do that, right? So this is this is why I've never understood why people are in so much fear talking to me or people like me and worrying about saying, oh, I don't, you know, I don't want to say, I don't, want, I don't know what to say. Well, that again shows your ignorance, right? Because if you're well versed in this thing, it shouldn't matter. I said, how about hello, Michael? It's a good place to start. <laughs> that's that's where most conversations start with me. Hello, how you doing? Or Carl, how are you? Good, and we go from there. It, it, it's not difficult. I'm telling you, it's not as difficult as people make it out to be. I know everything now gets put in a box and this and that, but look, some things are just very straightforward. And I've like said, if you're not sure, ask. Don't go on what you see in the media because media have a way of portraying black athletes. And I, I, I'll to give you a story quickly. When I played for England the first time in, in Chittabon, I had to do my first press conference. And you know, nothing was art of my journey, how I got there, fantastic, how, you know, you play it sorry, play it candy, work out, you know, you went to Sancia, it worked out, it clicked, what changed, blah, 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 blah. Something that would inspire white, black, Asian, whoever. The journey, perseverance, patience. No, no, no. How does it feel to be the first black man to play for England this decade? And I looked at the guy and says, what on earth has that got to do with me playing for England? Well, well we did some research and We we, we discovered that since Alex Tudor, you're the only one, the only black guy to play for England, right? So, does that make me any less English? No, 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 no. But, you know, we just wanted to, you know, how does it make you feel? I said, I'm just proud to have achieved something I set out to do from age nine. My colour is irrelevant, and and you're making it a point. Then they do the next thing they go and find the worst pictures they can find of where I live to build this rag to riches story of the black athlete. Now, let me tell you something. I know my area wasn't great, but my home certainly was. I had two loving parents, loving home, clean, and within our budget, they gave me every opportunity they could to put me on the world stage, and I achieved it. So there's no need to build a Rags to Richie story about every black athlete that comes through the door. You know, they did the same with Andy Joshua. They harp on about his drug possession charge. What about the fact that the guy is a fantastic person? boxer and he's our world champion how about you focus on that and the fact is even if alright he had the negative but he's turned it into a positive and he's he's one of one of the best people to look up to if you're a young person in my opinion never met him but I like him for what I see him. but they always want to delve for the negative first and this is what and, and, you know people don't understand how powerful media is media is very powerful media propaganda is very powerful if you want to like I said the protests that are going on, how much airtime has been given to the violence versus the peaceful people. Let, let, you know, let's excuse the poor white guy for a minute who doesn't really have an understanding of what's going on. Yeah? Seeing those images of people pulling down statues, looting, what's the first thought that's going to come in your head the first time you see a white guy come towards you? You're going to be on your guard, aren't you? And this is what I say. You know, media has a lot to do with this, how they portray people. Particularly black athletes, it's always surrounded by negative. But they've always got to cut you down first, and then build you. And it's wrong. Focus on my journey, how I got there, what I went through, how I went past it, and still managed to achieve. I went through two major illnesses, as you know. Cancer doesn't discriminate against me or you because we're white or black. Cancer's cancer, but I was able to kick its ass and come back stronger. Yeah. Surely that's inspiring white, blue, pink, green, yellow,
0: whoever. You mentioned your journey and, and, and what have you. I worked at Yorkshire. Adil Rashid came through Yorkshire. He's got a terrific story about playing in his basement with his dad, practising his leg spin before bursting onto the scene with Yorkshire at Scarborough and taking six wickets in his first first-class bowling performance. It's a, it's, a, it's a beautiful little story of dedication, somebody that loves cricket, just wanted to play cricket, wanted to get as high as he possibly could and just play every single day of his life. And everybody just talked about British Asian, and Mo and is the same, isn't it? You know, it's, it, it's the tag that people give people. And as you say, the media is hugely powerful. It's enough to get people elected. People get elected off the strength of headlines on the front page of the Sun on the on the day of the election, don't they?
1: Absolutely. It may, you know, it may so brace your career, you know, unfortunately. But it, it, it's just one of the things that for me I noticed over a long period of time. They always like to focus on negativity before what that guy did to get there. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it only seems to be the players of colour. Yeah? I mean, interest you name Moeen and, and Rash. I mean, I remember Rash, like my first A tour with Rash. I was the one looking after him. You know, I had to take him under my wing and try, show him the ropes and, and teach him the game. And I'm very <laughs> proud of what I see now. You know, yeah. that,
0: Oh, he's a great player. You
1: know, he turned, yeah, he, he turned into a, a world-class, we always knew he was going to be, but he needed harnessing. You know, he needed, he needed to understand the game, you know, the game. He had the talent, You all knew he could bowl everything and spin it as far as you liked, but he didn't understand the process a lot of the time when he was young. Now you can see he understands working the game out. Interestingly enough, when England goes to the subcontinent and get beat, the first two people they jump on is mowing and Rash. I remember that series in the sub in Dubai. Oh you know, Rashid and Moeen didn't bowl very well, this is this. Not the fact that England team lost the Test match. Two blows cannot lose you the Test match. You have to not bat very well, not bowl very well, and not field very well to lose a Test match, generally across the board. Oh, but, you know, Moeen went at five and over, while the seamers went at one and over. Yeah, but what about the fact that our backers went in and didn't score enough runs? Uh, what, 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 uh, but you're picking on the two guys of colour and making it, you know, again, media is very powerful. If you if you just hear that, you'll be like, yeah, they didn't bowl, yeah. You know, yeah, okay, maybe they didn't bowl very well. They had to be part of a collective that didn't play very well. That's what I'm getting at. It's not just two individuals. A test match win is a complete performance and it should be a team. You win as a team, you lose as a team. You don't start singling out individuals and that happens a lot it happens a lot
0: too frequent Michael Carberry next time I speak to you I'm going to talk to you about painting we'll, we'll get onto a subject which is completely uh, um, non-controversial <laughs> and happy <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's been a pleasure to catch up with you today mate it's been good to see your face oh, and idea. hopefully I'll speak to you again soon thank you
1: you'll be sure mate pleasure mate you take care stay safe mate it's that badger style
0: Thank you very, very much indeed for Michael Carberry of being my guest on this edition of the Cricket Badger Podcast. And there's no room on this subject for complacency. I've seen people saying, well, it's an American cop. It's in America. We're OK here. It's not. It's happening everywhere. It's happening in the UK. It's happening at cricket clubs and it needs to stop. As I said at the top of the show, it can't be that difficult to live in a world where we treat everybody with the respect that they deserve. And that respect shouldn't rely on the colour of their skin. It should rely on what they offer the world. And it's not a left or right thing. It's not a political thing. It's just the right thing. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Cricket Badger podcast. It's been a slightly different version and I think no less important for that. In fact, probably the most important one that we've ever done. Thanks to tvsportsblog.com for their support of the Cricket Badger Podcast. Give them a follow on Twitter as well, at tvsportsblog. And there are plenty more Cricket Badger Podcasts just around the corner. And those podcasts will be with you very shortly indeed. But for now, please like and subscribe and leave a nice comment if you if you want to. i have been James. Thank you for listening. And I'll see you next time. And I'll bring you the next edition of the Cricket Badger Podcast. <laughs>
1: Podcast Network.